At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to be with you here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Sadly, it is yet another silver linings edition of the HHC. Hornets falling to the Indiana Pacers 125-113, to and more importantly, their is a definitely a dark gray cloud over the Hornets' mood as we are awaiting word on just how bad was the left ankle sprain of LaMelo Ball last night. He was ruled out. The injury occurred very late in the game. Clearly, it was going to be ruled out for the remainder of that contest. We have not, at this point, received word on what his status will be heading into tomorrow as of this taping when the Hornets take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we'll hope for some good news there. We'll give you our thoughts on the game with or without the LaMelo Ball injury, putting that dark cloud over things, give you our silver linings, and we're going to talk panic meter. Not because of this game, not because of this injury, but over the larger context of the NBA, and because it was written about on a really good article by John Hollinger in The Athletic. Helping me on all these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, here with us again. Rob, first off, thanks for joining me, and uh, secondly, uh, your thoughts here after this game. Charlotte losing to the Indiana Pacers 125-113. You can tackle the LaMelo part of it if you want, or just stick to the game plan. I'll leave it up to you as we're all kind of processing this one still the day after. Yeah, this was one where it kind of just looked like the Hornets had this one. I'm not going to say in the bag, but I mean, they controlled the pace. They controlled the tempo for the majority of the game. It was tied at 27 after the first quarter. Both the teams were on pretty level footing. The Hornets were able to get out to a little bit of a sizable lead there late in the second quarter, but then within the final, literally, I think about 55 to 60 seconds of the first half, there were two turnovers by Charlotte. Indiana was able to convert on them. It was a five-point swing, even more maybe if the Hornets were able to convert on the offensive end of the floor.
floor, but hindsight's always twenty twenty. So with that said, it went from a eight-point lead to a three-point lead going into the locker room, and then Indiana was able to win the third quarter 30-27, to so it was tied at 90 going into the fourth frame, and then the Pacers just closed the game on a 23-9 to run over about the final five minutes or so of the contest. So, you know, you chalk that one up, I think, to the last five minutes of the fourth quarter and the last minute of the second quarter. And that's the ball game right there where Indiana was really able to take advantage. I know the Hornets were playing a little bit of catch up there in those final five minutes, just trying to cut the deficit a little bit. But at the end of the day, you got to learn how to close ball games. And the Hornets did not close the game out or the first half out last night. And that was the reason why they lost. I'm of two minds on this one. On the one hand, I kind of agree with you in that I think the end of the first half, it's somewhere where the Hornets really just kind of dropped the ball in an opportunity to head into the locker room up three possessions, up eight to ten points. That was on the table for them if they executed better down the stretch, and the Hornets instead imploded. They had the ball with about 30, 35 seconds left. They're trying to execute a two-for-one, and instead of making sure they had two good quality shots down the stretch, they turned it over twice and allowed an eight-point lead to dwindle down to a three-point lead. Pacers make the first shot of the second half, and now it's a tie game again. So from that perspective, I agree with you turnovers an issue it's something coach Clifford touched on after the contest it's a crusher you know listen winning in a team sport like basketball it starts with not beating yourself that's what it is not fouling unnecessarily not giving up fast break points uh, not turning the ball over you know so uh, yeah the turnovers have been a big problem The reason, though, I'm of two minds on this is when you look at the final box score, the disparity on points off turnovers is not that much. Free throws, it got a little bit, but that's because the Hornets were fouling down the stretch and the Pacers did their job. They made free throws to put the game out of reach. But for the most part, this game was relatively even from the three-point line. Turnover margin wasn't huge. If anything, the Hornets more than made that up on their own end in second chance points. To me, this came down to Indiana did a better job of sealing off the rim, winning points in the paint, and just being better from the field overall. It's a very good offense that's playing at a high level right now. For the most part, they are healthy. The injuries they're dealing with are to role players who, yes, can contribute and have had good games in the past. I'm not discounting that the Pacers aren't missing pieces, but Charlotte it's missing more clearly and the Pacers that were out there out executed the Hornets at a higher level particularly in the second half for sure in the fourth quarter I think that more so was the tail of the tape and yeah Charlotte could have executed better down the stretch in the first half but that's probably the difference between a five or six or maybe eight point swing not the 12 point gap that the Hornets ended up losing by the other thing I think that was a big advantage for the Pacers where they took advantage of points off of turnover Charlotte turned the ball over 18 times and the Pacers scored 27 points off those turnovers when you look at the other side Indiana turned the ball over 14 times and Charlotte was able to convert 20 points out of those so if you up those turnovers another four you're hovering right around 27 points on the other side So you're probably breaking even in that regard. And at that point, it's maybe, what, a four or five point game if you take a look at the box score and what the final score was. And then maybe you got a ball game there. Maybe you send Indiana to the free throw line and maybe they're able to miss a couple and you get a chance here or there or something like that. So it certainly changes the dynamic of the game down the stretch. But at the end of the day, you can't have a team rip off a 23-9 to run in the final five minutes of the game. No, they they out-executed the Hornets down the stretch. But I guess that's my point is, you know, I think Charlotte, you know, to say that the 
Hornets should have gotten all the points off turnovers they got because they did such a good job turning the Pacers over and not give credit to the Pacers for doing the same thing, I, I think is unfair because Indiana has been a very good fast break team yeah. over the course of the season. Furthermore, I think Charlotte did a fantastic job on the glass. Indiana is an exceptional offensive rebounding team. Charlotte limited them to seven offensive rebounds. The Hornets pulled down 14. So I think in those you know, special teams plays, if you want to call it that. Charlotte did a better job than Indiana. This came down to a half-court offensive game where the Pacers just flat-out out-executed or outperformed Charlotte when you look at it from execution throughout the game, and particularly in the second half, for sure, in the fourth quarter. So that, that that's my thought on it. I do think the Hornets could have done a better job managing and maintaining the lead that they built up there in the second quarter. But at the end of the day... Pacers, they shot 53% from the floor, almost 40% from three, and the Hornets were not as good in either their field goal percentage or their three-point percentage, and that, that ends up being the ballgame. Hornets fall in this one 125-113 to 113 for Charlotte. This is now nine losses in their last 10 games, 11 in their last 13, and it is easy to look at injuries and say this is the, the main reason why the Hornets aren't winning, but at the same time, you don't get to point at that all season and then look back and say, well, 20% of the year, we're going to just chalk up to injuries. Everyone deals with them at some point. Hornets are dealing with way more than most, but still, they've got to make up this gap if they want to get to the final destination they're hoping for, which, of course, is the playoffs. Charlotte falling to 4-12 and 12 after the loss. We will find our silver linings to this one when we return here on the Hornet Typecast. I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere, but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea. Music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Hornets falling 125 to 113 to the Indiana Pacers. Rob, before we get to silver linings, we got to deal with the the main storyline, what ends up being the headline for this one. I wish it were just, you know, a, a good shooting night for the Pacers and not great loss for the Hornets. But the headline is LaMelo Ball. LaMelo was lost for 13 games to the Hornets coming into the start of the season due to an ankle injury, and he exited the contest last night early due to an ankle injury once again. Look, we are at game 16, not game 60 of the season. So no injury outside of a season-ending one is catastrophic for the Hornets. That's period, end of sentence. But it's certainly not a good sign for Charlotte that they're facing a potential reality moving forward. We don't have anything specific in terms of how long this is going to be. We don't even know what LaMelo's status is for tomorrow against Cleveland as we tape this. So this could be a very short-term thing, could be a no-time thing. We, we just don't have an answer. But for the sake of argument, if the Hornets are looking at another extended stretch where they are playing with one of their three stars on the floor. Hornets record when they have less than two of their three stars, looking at LaMelo, Terry Rozier, and Gordon Hayward. Charlotte is two and nine in those games. It's just a lot to overcome, and Charlotte has got to hope for LaMelo to either have a quick recovery from this one or to get Gordon Hayward back so they can try and get some positive momentum going for 
this next 20% or so of the season where there are more home games and there is more rest built in. Can't argue with it. I mean, it's it's disappointing as much as you can say it, and we can say it until we're blue in the face that the Hornets have had just terrible luck this year, but it's the reality of the situation. And again, I know we've talked about it in the past, but it's worth noting too is you would rather have your guys healthy for game 82 than game 22. And that's just kind of the reality of the situation now. With that said, you certainly have to put yourself in a position to be competitive and playing for something in game 82. And that's half of the battle here too, but it's frustrating. I'm sure it's just as frustrating for the rest of the team. I'm sure it's extremely frustrating for LaMelo since he just came back. It's very unfortunate, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, we can pout and, you know, we can cry about it, but at the end of the day, you still got to go out there. Cleveland's not going to feel sorry for the Hornets tomorrow night. Washington's not going to feel sorry for them on Sunday. The list goes on and on. So it is what it is, and you have to make do with what you have. And with that in mind, it's time to stop pouting and time to start finding silver linings. Before we do, though, P.J. Washington last night after the game, a really strong one for him, by the way, with 24 points. Here's what he had to say about dealing with injuries. It's tough. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we hope he's good. Um, all prayers for him. I hope I, I ain't nothing wrong, and I hope he's back the next game. That's all you can hope for is hope for the best and then deal with the reality that you have. It's something Coach Steve Clifford has talked about. He can't coach players that are unavailable for injury or otherwise. He can only coach who's available to him at that moment in time and try and get the best out of him. It's something he's done throughout his coaching career, and there is a lot of runway left here for the Hornets. Let's find some silver linings to last night's game, the 125-113 loss. Rob Longo, you go first. You just heard from the man. I got to go with P.J. Washington. 6.20 left in the third. LaMelo to a wide open P.J. Washington. Corner three is good. P.J. Washington drilling another Lowe's three-point shot. It's his fourth of the game. Timeout Pacers. P.J. was just absolutely phenomenal in last night's game. And one of the things that I look at, too, is, you know, he did not have a very good game or a very good stretch really in Miami scored nine points in the first game scored four points in the second game he's bounced back since he had 14 big ones in that Orlando matchup where he was six of 13 from the field he didn't hit any three-pointers that was not the case last night BJ was one of the few guys that could hit a three-pointer it's basically him and LaMelo Ball that were able to shoot the lights out from beyond the arc PJ went four and nine from three he was also seven to 16 from the field four rebounds four assists did a little bit of everything with those 23 points and he had a huge second quarter that really was able to keep the Hornets in it and eventually they did win that quarter he had 12 points in the second quarter alone one thing that we didn't mention either Charlotte was 0 for 9 from beyond the arc in the first quarter and then they come out and they were 6 and 9 from beyond the arc in the second quarter and a lot of that was because of PJ Washington able to bang down three threes he was three for three beyond the arc in the second stanza so really good stuff from PJ last night I thought he played a really good support role from LaMelo Ball there were a couple of other plays where him and LaMelo linked up as well there was that one kind of driving down it was a two-on-one LaMelo got crashed in on he was able to get it to the trailer PJ Washington coming down the lane and it was an easy dunk that was able to give the Hornets only a three-point deficit and really got them going with about eight minutes left to go in the fourth quarter but PJ Washington was my silver lining from last night's game I like the pick PJ I don't hold it against him that he didn't have big offensive nights against Miami because he had such difficult defensive assignments between Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, and I thought he did a pretty solid job against both those players throughout his time on the floor. He's now in a rhythm, and I think that is the biggest silver lining for this team, because if they're facing another extended stretch without the main driver of their offense, LaMelo Ball, you need guys to have confidence shooting the basketball, playing offensively, and make up for the less 
than optimum pace that the Hornets play at when their main driver isn't out there. And that, that's just a fact. If you take the point guard off most NBA teams, they don't operate at as high of a clip. So I like the pick of P.J. Washington. He's having a career year in terms of scoring average. Shooting percentages have not been at his normal levels so far this season, but this was a more P.J.-like three-point performance at the very least. With that idea of momentum in mind, I'm going to go with LaMelo Ball as my silver lining. Teo Maladon gives it to LaMelo. LaMelo steps to his left, fires for three. Yes, he got it again! LaMelo Ball! Now up to 19. What was that? What a shot off the dribble, going to his left, fading out of bounds for three. LaMelo Ball, a signature LaMelo performance, which makes the potential for him to be sidelined for a while with this injury all that more heartbreaking. He was outstanding. Season-high 26 points. He shot it well, 5 of 8 from beyond the arc, 10 of 17 from the floor, 6 assists. He spread the ball around a lot. He just did a lot of things in LaMelo fashion. But the bigger silver lining here is with LaMelo playing so well, he got other players back into what would be their normal rhythm. P.J. Washington was playing off the ball, a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities. Kelly Oubre was doing a great job of sneaking down and pulling down offensive rebounds. He had seven offensive rebounds last night, 13 in total, a big double-double with 17 points and 13 boards. Mason Plumley had another really efficient night with 12 points and 10 rebounds. LaMelo being out there puts everyone into a more optimum role. And whether he's out there or not, hopefully his performance and the impact it has on the rest of the roster will create some momentum heading into the next one. Because you're right, Rob Longo, no one's going to wait for Charlotte to get healthy. The schedule makers didn't do the team any favors. They got a lot of games and not a lot of time, and they're not going to press pause on the schedule for the Hornets to get healthy. So Charlotte's got to take whatever momentum they can out of this loss and use it moving into the next game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, oh, by the way, are also not exactly playing their best basketball at this moment in time. Cleveland lost to Milwaukee last night. That's their fifth straight loss. But just like no one's going to wait for Charlotte to get healthy, the Hornets don't have to wait for Cleveland to start playing better. Again, they've lost five in a row. They play their second straight game without their star all-star center, Jared Allen. There is an opportunity here for the Hornets to step in and take advantage as well. We'll see if the momentum built off that great performance by LaMelo Ball and all the ripple effects that performance has on the rest of the roster can set the Hornets on the right foot moving forward. Coming up next, panic meter. No, not because of this game. Uh, There was a really good article put out by John Hollinger of The Athletic talking about when is the time to start panicking. He did not mention the Hornets, and I think there's a good reason why that's a positive for Buzz City moving forward. We'll get into that next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, it's time to get some new gear. The best selection of new and classic Hornets apparel is at the Hornets Fan Shop, now with new extended hours. Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fall to 4-12 and last night with a 125-113 loss to the Indiana Pacers. And there's some chatter on social media. We see it about... 
the panic meter. When do you start to panic? Well, first off, I'm not panicked yet because I am an optimist at heart, and I look at the injuries for the Hornets, and these are all, they're not short-term, they're not one-day injuries that Charlotte has dealt with in, in any sense. LaMelo Ball missed the first 13 games of the season. Terry Rozier missed a seven-game stretch. This is now eight in a row that Gordon Hayward's been out. But they're not season-ending injuries, so there is light at the end of the tunnel, and there is hope that the Hornets can be healthy sometime in the not-too-distant future and be able to rip off a long series of games where they are healthy and can start to let their talent be known to the rest of the league. That's not the case for a lot of other teams that are struggling right now, and that was the subject of an article in The Athletic recently by John Hollinger about the panic meter. And there was a paragraph that I'm going to read basically verbatim that I thought really put it well. Here's from John Hollinger. The vexing question gnawing at every struggling team during the first month of the NBA season is one of sample size. How soon is too soon to start worrying? Are 15 games a blip or a telltale sign that something is badly amiss? When is it time to panic? Or perhaps more appropriately, when is it time to start making some radical changes? And the thought process that goes into this is sometimes you look at the early sample size and say, you got to build chemistry or you were dealing with injuries that are not likely to continue on. He looked back at the previous season and said Memphis was 9-10, and 10, but they had an injured John Morant. Boston was south of 500 at midseason. They ended up in the NBA Finals. They were adjusting to a new coach. They finally got themselves in a rhythm. They ripped off a bunch of wins. They end up in the NBA Finals. Things can turn, but you look at the start of the season and say, was there a major change? Are there major injuries? Is there a reason to be more hopeful when those things get sorted out for the end? He circled several teams here. One's the Lakers. They have had, for the most part, healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and yet their offense isn't functioning. Brooklyn's had this issue here with Kyrie Irving. They're 6-9. and nine. Otherwise, they're relatively healthy, and it's not the first time that Kyrie has gotten himself on the sideline without an injury being involved. He looked at the Minnesota Timberwolves, who haven't had a major injury. They're 6-8 and eight after having a major acquisition. Less of a panic meter on their side, according to John Hollinger, because they're still trying to work out the kinks of the chemistry issues. Miami, their panic meter a little bit lower. And same for Philadelphia, because both teams are at 500 and have plenty of runway to move forward and certainly have their superstars intact. It didn't mention Charlotte, which I find interesting. But first, before I get into my Charlotte diatribe, Rob Longo, your reaction to this article and how John Hollinger rated his panic meter very high for the Lakers and Brooklyn Nets, not nearly so high for teams like Philadelphia, Miami, and Golden State. I think a lot of that has to do with maybe star power when you take a look at it. Now, the Lakers are an interesting case study to begin with just because of how they've kind of gone all in on who they currently have on the roster and they don't have the flexibility or the trade capital to move players around or make different deals to switch up the chemistry or anything like that. So I understand why there's some panic around the Lakers, the Nets, certainly with the situations that they have going on, not just Kyrie Irving, but Ben Simmons as well. That's another situation that's onto itself. And then obviously having a coaching change already with Steve Nash on his way out and going with Jacques Vaughn. And then you have a guy like Kevin Durant, who just kind of depends on what side of the bed he wakes up on that day. But at any rate, I understand why maybe Charlotte's not on that list, whether it's low expectations from the national media or the fact that they just have a ton of injuries. It could be one or the other, and I think it's the latter more than the former. I'm more of the realist on this podcast instead of the optimist. But again, at the same time, it's definitely not time to hit the panic button. Now, if we get bad news on LaMelo Ball, which knock on wood, hopefully we don't, then it might change my mind. But the way that 
this panic button or this article is written at the end of the day is kind of a non sequitur for the Hornets. Well, two things. One, I think it's the former, not the latter. I think the national media did not have very high expectations for Charlotte, and that's why they're not listed in this panic meter article. So that that's my personal opinion. But secondly, I think we have to define what bad news is for LaMelo Ball. This is an ankle sprain from what we've been told at this point. This is not supposed to be a season-ending injury. And so season-ending injuries, that changes the math on everything. If it's a short to moderate-term injury, that just changes the timeline here. So I think if we were to force John Hollinger to put a panic meter on Charlotte, I think they match up really nicely with the two teams he mentioned from the prior season who you wouldn't have hit the panic button on, that being Memphis, who got out to a below 500 start because John Morant was hurt, and the Boston Celtics, who were south of 500 but were adjusting to a new coach who had a defensive mindset, and eventually, as things started to click, they got really hot and rode that all the way to the NBA Finals. Do any of those sound familiar to you Hornets fans? Injured superstar, that's LaMelo Ball. Defensive-minded coach who it takes time to get everything and everyone on the same page and really playing at a high level under that coach's philosophy. That sounds a lot like Steve Clifford. So call me an optimist if you want, but I think on both of those levels, the Hornets are the team that better than anyone else on this panic meter board fits the bill. Philadelphia did not change defensive philosophies. Miami has had a lot of consistency. They don't have injuries to look back on and say, this is why we didn't start as fast as we thought we would. Charlotte has had major injuries across the board to several superstars simultaneously, and yet there's a lot of hope that hopefully in the not-too-distant future, everyone can be healthy. At least the Stars can be healthy, and the Hornets can have more firepower than they've had available to them at this point. Furthermore, they've got a coach who's got a different philosophy when it comes to defense, and as his philosophy takes hold on this roster, there's every reason to believe that it can change the way the Hornets play down the stretch and hopefully put them on a path to just sail towards the postseason. This is my only thing with the LaMelo ball injury, and and I'm not trying to speculate. I'm just putting this out there. LaMelo missed the first 13 games of the season. Let's say he misses 13 games again with a similar injury. That's 26 games. That's over a quarter of your season right there. Again, I understand it's not season ending, but missing a quarter of your season, you're the math guy here. I would love for you to really dive in and see how many games John Morant missed in that Memphis season and that sort of stuff to see if it's similar. I'm sure you have you want to know up. how many. You already have it pulled up, don't you? 25. Oh my gosh. How about that? So, oh my goodness. So, let's just be out let, let, let's be pessimistic. Oh. Let's say, let's say LaMelo's going to miss a similar amount of time as he missed with the first ankle injury. We don't know that. I'm putting that out there in bold print on an audio-only podcast. <laughs> Huge Don't, disclaimer. That's right. I am not telling you that I know anything about the timeline. I'm just saying let's follow what Rob Longo's put out there as a hypothetical, that he misses a similar amount of time with the second ankle turn as he did with the first. If that's the case, he misses the exact same number of games as John Morant missed. John Morant missed about a... 10 to 12 game stretch early in the season last year. And then he missed a similar stretch at the very, very end of last Memphis season. They still made the playoffs. They still made a run to the second round. So bad luck for Charlotte that these injuries seem to come back to back. But there is 
ample time for the Hornets to make up the gap yeah, without their superstar. Yeah, I was going to say, please, for the love of God, just have it end after this one because I can't deal with this many injuries anymore. But again, the one more other notable thing in here, too, that I would say is Gordon Hayward is going to be another person that has to be healthy for sure. And again, he's missed the last handful of games, so that's another guy that you have to factor into the equation as well as the health of Gordon Hayward. Again, hopefully it's nothing crazy for LaMelo with this second injury, this second ankle injury, if you will. But at the same time, if it did happen to fall along that timeline that we just discussed, history has a funny way of repeating itself, doesn't it? Well, well, look, no question on the Gordon Hayward thing. Historically, his three seasons in Charlotte, the team is 15 games below, 16 games now below 500 when he doesn't play, five games above 500 when he does. That's regardless of who else might or might not be hurt on the roster. That's just looking at Gordon available or not. And in this season in particular, between LaMelo, Gordon, and Terry, when only one or none of them are available, the team is 2-9. and nine. When two or more are available, they are two and three. Hopefully, we got a lot more games on the horizon where all three of them are available, but at the very least, two, that would be nice and certainly give the Hornets a lot of reason to be optimistic as well as their fan base moving forward. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Tomorrow, we will preview the matchup against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hornets back on the road again, and they'll be back home for Thanksgiving both the day before and Black Friday. Get your tickets at Hornets.com. With many thanks to our producer and my guest today, Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.